Good sermon. All right, at this time, we're blessed to have the first message brought to us by Mark McGarvey, and it's entitled, Jonathan, a True Friend. Thank you, Matt. Good afternoon, everyone. And it's great to be back again. Seems like forever. I know it was six weeks, I want to say, maybe seven weeks, but um, uh, it's great to be back. See you guys again. And I hope it's coming through online okay. The sound and everything. I know sometimes that can be an issue, but it's glad to have everyone here and hope everything goes smoothly. So, um, this message today. It's actually a suggestion by my son um, on a message to give, but like the last one I gave on Gideon, um, I like to do, I want to concentrate maybe on this next couple of messages on stories both in the Old and New Testament of, uh, that are good to study and look at, um, reflect on, and some of these stories or characters are not mentioned very much, but <clears throat> their story or these personalities can play a major role in the Bible. And so, one such character is Jonathan. So who was Jonathan? He was the eldest son of King Saul, the first king of Israel. He is most well known for being a good, close friend of David. Actually, I'm going to put this light on here. It helps. So I just want to look at the relationship um, between Jonathan and David, um, and then is there anything we can learn um, from their friendship as Christians today? And uh, most of Jonathan's story is, are in the books of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and I'm going to concentrate on four instances where the two of them got together and there was a situation there. Uh, there are a few other instances where Jonathan is mentioned in, in the first and second Samuel, but I'm going to concentrate on these four for my message today. So, for my first scripture, I want to let's uh, get straight into the story here. I'm going to go to First Samuel chapter 18, and let's look at verses one through four. First Samuel, for those of you who are using your Bibles, chapter 18, and verses one through four. Verse 1. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul the, Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. But King Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house. Talking about David here. Anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Now I'm going to read an excerpt from my study Bible here on, the, on these verses, because uh, some very important stuff here to, to notice. Um, this covenant here, quote, This covenant was a mutual agreement in which David and Jonathan were bound to care for the needs and attend to the interests of each other. It was a treaty as between equals, Yet these two men were not exactly equals. Such a relationship had to be initiated by Jonathan because he was a member of the royal household. As his own soul, what, what Jonathan said, as his own soul, 
These words, repeated for emphasis in verse 1, describe the unselfish nature of Jonathan's love for David. And then in verse uh, 4, where it says, Jonathan took off the robe and gave it to David with his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. These were treasured items that would not have been casually surrendered. With these gifts, Jonathan ratified his covenant with David, and in retrospect, Jonathan's action was symbolic of a transfer of royal power from Saul's family to David. So that, was, that was like the, the creme de la creme, as it were, the, the icing on the cake, giving him the bow and the belt and everything else and the robe. So a very interesting start here, the two of them. David had just come from slaying Goliath. Um, and you know King Saul had kind of been hiding under his desk, as it were. Goliath had been threatening the Israelites there, and nobody was willing to go and take him on. David went down there with a sling and a stone and killed the big giant, cut off his head, and brought the head up to King Saul. And, and, and King Saul was amazed by what this, this little kid had done. And wanted to know, who is this, who is this guy? Who, who's this father and everything? So a very interesting first meeting between Jonathan and David. And Jonathan was taken back by this, this kid who must have had some kind of aura about him. Although he was young, maybe small, just had something about him that's, that immediately Jonathan was, was knit to him, as it says, knit to him, his soul. So from the very first time he meets him, Jonathan feels a connection with David. Sometimes people just click. Jonathan would have been a few years older than David, having already commanded one of Saul's army divisions in battle against the Philistines. And by all accounts, David was perhaps 15 or 16 when he slew Goliath. Hard to believe. My son is 15 now. And it's just incredible to believe that he may have just been a boy. As the Bible says, just a boy. So by creating this covenant together, Jonathan and David would be there for each other. But here's the difference between a friend and a true friend. A true friend is a friend when it's convenient not to be. They stand by you consistently, whether you are present, whether you're not. Um, they're authentic and honest with you. They'll tell you how it is. You may not want to hear it, but a true friend will tell you. And they show you who they really are. And I think Jonathan and David were real, true friends. So let's continue the story. Let's move over one chapter. Makes it easy for us today. Moving over one book at a time makes it a little bit more easier. First uh, Samuel chapter 19, and let's look at verses 1 through 7 now. 1 Samuel 19, 1 through 7, and let's look at verse 1 here. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning, and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Verse 4. 
Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, Goliath in other words. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Verse 6. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to King Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. So we see here that David was wiser than all of Saul's servants, because at the end of chapter 18, um, King Saul had set David out to be one of his uh, army commanders. He saw the courage in the young lad and his abilities. But David's name became, uh, what does it say, became highly esteemed. And this made Saul jealous of his fame. King Saul would have these bouts of depression from time to time, dark depression. And uh, part of the reason he kept David at the royal palace was because David played the harp and the sound of the stringed instrument soothed Saul's spirit. Um, but in this instance, Jonathan clearly comes to David's defense here and acts as a peacemaker between the two. So let's move on to the next situation here. And this is in the next chapter, 1 Samuel 20. And let's begin in verse 1 here. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Again, David's on the run here. Saul had tried to kill him again. Jonathan said to David, By no means, you shall not, deny, you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Well, maybe King Saul was hiding some things from Jonathan. Jonathan just didn't know. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. Verse 5, And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon. And, jo and David wants to give Jonathan something to do here to, to get away from, from uh, King Saul, to get away from the palace. So he said, um, tomorrow will be a new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me. They might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says, if he says uh, thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, 
Heal me yourself. Sure. For why should you bring me to your father? David's saying, if I've done something bad, if I'm upset you, if you're mad at me, kill me now. Let's get it over and done with. I don't want to be on the run. I don't want to keep doing this the rest of my life. And verse, uh, verse 9 here. But Jonathan said, Far be it from, from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? And David said, Jonathan, who will tell me? What if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field, maybe to get away from the palace, maybe the servants were overhearing them, I'm not sure, but they go over into this field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. In other words, Jonathan's saying, if my dad turns mad and wants to kill you again, I'll come to you, I'll let you know, and you can go. Okay? You can get out of there. Okay, so let's jump down here to verse 17. Now, Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed, and remain by the stone Ezel or Azel. Then I will shoot three arrows. Now, listen to this bit here. This is what Jonathan tells David. I will shoot three arrows to the side of where you're hiding, as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad, saying, Go, find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them and come. Then, as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. So if that, if that happens, then you're good to go, you're okay. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, go, get out of here, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. So then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat in his seat, as at other times, on a seat by the wall. Very wise, I think, for a king to sit with his back to the wall so he can see everything in front of him. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Nevertheless, King Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, well, something has happened to him. He's unclean, surely he's unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. He blew his top. Couldn't believe it that Jonathan had told David this. And he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. <laughs> That's some insult, isn't it? Uh, 
Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and for shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom, he tells his son. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? And that made Saul even angrier. And it says, what has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him and his own son. I mean, the man was, was losing it. He really was at this point. Well, he had a few more years to go, but he was clearly getting, getting worse. Try to kill his own son, his own son, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. Verse 35. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed by David, and the little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him, beyond the lad. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, with, was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. In other words, David, go, get out of here. And Jonathan cried out after the lad. Yeah, okay, I've read that bit. Then Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapon to his lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. So David is still honoring Jonathan here as a member of the royal household. He still respected him that way and wanted to do it that way. They kissed one another and they wept together. But David more so than Jonathan, it seems. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he rose and, and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Now, I know that's an entire chapter, but I think it's an important part of the story between Jonathan and David. You know, Jonathan had maybe just as much belief in God as David did. And David was, was special and would become a great king. But whereas King Saul was losing the plot, was starting to get crazier and madder, his son Jonathan was good throughout. So, once again, Jonathan's Jonathan helps David escape from his father, Saul. And King Saul's madness and evil desire to kill David makes him lose all control. He tried to kill his own son with a spear, but Jonathan dodged that one. But it was an unconditional friendship that Jonathan and David had, you know. It was almost like a, a brotherly love they had, although they both had other brothers. Uh, like my own example with my younger brother, Dan, who is uh, 20 months younger than me, Dan. Um, and up to the age of 12 or 13, me and him were tied at the hip. As my sister has often said, we did everything together. You know, we were each other's best friend in a certain way. 
So I know what that would be like, where we, you would go with your friend, or almost feels like a brother, and you do everything together, and you love each other. And you know, if, if royal succession was the way in this situation in the Bible, um, where it was passed down from father to son, then Jonathan uh, would be next in line to be king. But no, he knew, Jonathan knew, that God had picked David to be the next king. He knew this, after Saul would die. The prophet Samuel had anointed David before David slew Goliath. Samuel went to his house to find the right one. And of course, he went through all the brothers, and they had to go and fetch David from the field because he was out shepherding. That he was the one that God had chosen to anoint to be the, the new king. This was God's chosen one, and Jonathan knew that and honored that. David would be on the run for a few more years from King Saul, but it would be a sad end for King Saul and his son Jonathan as they were both killed in battle against the old enemy, the Philistines. And there's a little story after the death of Saul and Jonathan. I'm going to go to that. It's in uh, 2 Samuel, the very first chapter. 2 Samuel, chapter 1. Now this is an interesting story because of what happens here. Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul... When David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag, on the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was, when he came to David, that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? So the man said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. I want to know what happened there. And he answered, the man answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. So David said to the young man, he told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? David obviously hadn't heard this. What are you talking about? And the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance beyond Mount Geboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and he answered, Oh, I answered to him, Here I am. And King Saul said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, the man says. And, and I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and I brought them here to you, David. Huh? I did good, right? Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for King Saul and for Jonathan his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Then David, after a few hours here, he wept and given it some time, David sent the young man who told him this, Where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called for one of the young men and said, Go near and execute this man. And the man struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head. For your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And I thought that was an interesting 
part of this story here because um, this guy thinks, oh yeah, David must have hated Saul, so I'll kill him and he'll be happy that he's dead and maybe I can get a reward and you know, be good. No, nothing can be further from the truth. David, it said, lamented over the, soul, over the death of uh, King Saul and Jonathan. And lament is a passionate expression of the grief or sorrow. And how could he have used Jonathan? If you look on further, if Jonathan had lived, how could he have used Jonathan as a wise counsel during his reign as king too? But it was not to be. So, as we look at this story of Jonathan and, and this friendship with David, as Christians living today, you know, we need to know who our friends are. Difficult times, tribulation is in our future. We will be asked to stand for what we believe in. And do we have true friends that will stand by us? Our greatest friend, our eldest brother, is our greatest advocate, and that's our Lord, Jesus Christ. And he is always there for us, always available, 24-7, 365 days a year. He, should, he didn't shut down his business when the coronavirus came to town. He's still going. Now, he's always there for us. And when that temple veil was torn in two, when Jesus died on the cross, we gained access to the Holy of Holies. We gained access to God the Father with Christ as our intercessor. So our greatest friend suffered. He was beaten and died for us. And then after three days, rose again. His death was our salvation. Our great friend laid down his life for us. And on that note, I'm just turn to my last scripture here. Back to the New Testament and the book of John. Chapter 15 and verses 13 through 17. John chapter 15, verses uh, 13 through 17. John 15. 13 through 17. There we go. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. But he, see verses uh, 16 and 17 again. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He chose us and appointed us to bear fruit, to do what is right. And he commands us to love one another. You know, Jonathan didn't have, to be, didn't have to be asked to be David's friend. Like I said earlier, they had a special connection. And while it may have only lasted a few years, while David was on the run from King Saul, it didn't last a lifetime. It was a tremendous example of true friendship, I think. One of the better stories in the Bible. And the story of Jonathan and David does have a nicer ending, however. And I've got a little... I'm going to read a little excerpt that I... Uh, stumbled upon when I, was, when I was reading this, when I was studying for this message. Now, I don't know if you know about, you may not have heard about this story, but this is a, um, 
a character by the name of, I may not pronounce this correct, Methibosheth in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Let's listen to this for a minute. Methibosheth was a son of Jonathan and also the grandson of King Saul, Israel's first king. When Saul and his sons, oh, by the way, I'm reading this. This is from uh, learnreligion.com. Um, when Saul and his sons died in battle at Mount Gilboa, Mephibosheth was only five years old, Jonathan's son. His nurse picked him up and was fleeing from what had happened. But in her haste, she dropped him, and he injured both his feet, and making him lame for life. Many years later, David had become king, and inquired about any descendants of King Saul. Instead of planning to kill the previous king's line, as was the custom in those days, David wanted to honor them in memory of his friend Jonathan and out of respect for Saul. King Saul's servant Ziba told him of Jonathan's son, Methibosheth, who was living in Lodabar, which means land of nothing. David summoned Methibosheth to court, and this is what David told this man. And this is recorded in 2 Samuel uh, Chapter 9, verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat at my table. Eating at the king's table meant not only enjoying the best food in the country, but also falling under royal protection as a friend of the ruler. Having his grandfather's land restored to him was an unheard of kindness. So that, that little bit there I wanted to finish on because David did remember Jonathan and Jonathan's son, who had been forgotten about and lost, was a lame man, didn't have nothing, and David wanted to honor him and do that for him. So I thought that was a nice little thing for David to do. So I wanted to um, just look at that story for us to look at and study about Jonathan and how his true friendship with David really was amazing. Um, and not, I wish more of it was recorded for us. But what we do have is very interesting. And uh, again, once again, one of those stories in the Bible that it's, it's nice to look at from time to time and just study them. So, there you go.